We are beginning a series called The Story of Reality, and today we're talking about how reality is puzzling. One thing I know about you is that you are a being who thinks. You and I both think about important things, important questions. We're all puzzling together how the reality fits together and how it works. We can imagine backwards long before we existed. We can imagine forward long after we'll be uh, beyond this life. And we have puzzling questions to develop our story of reality. Another word for that is a worldview to try to fit it all together. Some, from the time that we were able to put sentences together, we were asking questions. Some of you are right in the throes of that with your three-year-old, why? Why? And we ask all these kinds of questions. Here are some questions that are puzzling to us, like, why am I here? Where did I come from? Where did everything come from? What happens after I die? I don't remember precisely how old I was, but I remember when I started to think questions like this, and it was really like pulling the rug out from underneath me as I pondered these questions, and it feels very frightening and very scary. And then I would be reassured by my parents, and then later on in life, I would stumble into other frightening questions and other worldview thoughts that would cause me to start being frightened and fearful to try to piece together this puzzling reality of what it means to exist and where is it all going. And maybe some of you remember 1980s. <laughs> Here's a quote from the 1980s, Carl Sagan, PBS documentary, probably one of the most popular scientific documentaries ever, uh, Cosmos, and he would open this with the cosmos is all that is, or ever was, or ever will be. Now, that starts to mess with your head, too. Try to figure that out. He would try to make it sound kind of encouraging. You are made of star stuff, you know? And, and it's like, whoa, wow. All he's saying is matter. You're made of stuff. Yeah, it came from the stars long ago, and now it's become you, but it's just stuff. It's not all that encouraging to me. And then we run into even darker thoughts later in time. Maybe some of you ran into Richard Dawkins, uh, atheist. He writes, In a universe of blind physical forces, the universe we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is at the bottom no design, no purpose, no evil, and no good. Nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. Which, if you start to go there, it seems to me to get even scarier and darker and more puzzling as we try to understand it all and what it's it all for. So it makes me want to ask this question, if matter is all that we are, then how much do we really matter? <laughs> and... Those are great questions, but the idea, just to start with, is that all of us are trying to puzzle together a very complex reality to figure out what is reality and how do we piece it together and how did it start and where is it going. And so I am proposing to offer to you the story of reality, everything from the beginning 
to the end and everything important to us in the middle as presented in history. Now, history is an interesting word because history has a particular word in it. We've been talking about story, and history has the word story written right into the word. And so history itself is a reality that's been recorded, at least in paper form. But then there's another interesting thing about this word history. When I'm presenting to you the story of reality, I want to present to you the story that comes between the pages of the cover of a Bible. Because in history, God revealed himself in history. There's some evidences there that we will be looking at as God revealed himself in history to help us understand the whole picture of the story of reality. The other interesting piece of the word history is the word his. Do you see it built right into the word? His story. And history in the story of reality as presented in the Bible for us is a story about where it all began, where it all ends, everything important in between as it relates to us. But please remember, the main character of the story of reality is God himself. It's his story. Perhaps you had somebody tell you, like somebody has told me, son, remember, the whole universe doesn't revolve around you. Right? It's a good thing to remember. We are just supporting cast players in this story of reality, and we will learn that there is a key character, and the main character is what this whole history of salvation and how we fit into the story and how, what it means for us in this grand and beautiful story, not a frightening and terrible story, Grand and beautiful if God becomes the main character in your story as well. So that's what we're talking about in the story of reality. Now, I recognize that there are many worldviews, even in this audience, and that worldviews are in competition. And so, may the best worldview win. <laughs> now, how do we know what is the best worldview? The best worldview makes the most sense of all of the puzzle pieces within the box. And we're going to talk about that today as we talk about the worldview is puzzling. A really good place to begin is the beginning. Point number one, the beginning of the story. Genesis 1 one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's probably the second most important line in the entire story. Leaves you wondering what the most important line is, huh? We'll get to that later. What does the story begin with? It's a good question, but it's the wrong question. The story of reality does not begin with a what. The story of reality begins with a who. In the beginning, God. Now, we as thinking beings, when we start talking about this, where did the chicken come from? You know, and those kinds of things, we back it up, back it up. Did the egg come first or did the chicken come first? We back it up and back it up. But when we think like this, we'll eventually get to the place where even as somebody tells us that it came from God, we're going to go, where did God come from? Now, we need to understand something. 
that if God came from something, he's no longer God. Because if God came from something, that means something else caused God, which is bigger than God. He's no longer God then. So it's a question that we need to understand that as we go into the story of reality, God himself reveals himself to Moses as the I am that I am, the self-existent God who has no beginning or the end. He is forever self-existent. And so the story begins with a who, and from that who, everything else comes. I know, mind-blowing. But the alternative is also mind-blowing. I mean, our, our heads can't hold on to either one of them because we're talking about the magnitude of eternity, and we can't quite picture eternity in an ever-existing God or the alternatives in terms of eternity. So we struggle there. Now, I'd like to then move to a New Testament verse which does a little uh, commentary on, and a great commentary on verse one here in Genesis. Hebrews 11.3 reads, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. That's mind-blowing. That the self-existent God, and as you keep reading in chapter 1, speaks everything else into existence from nothing. Okay? Now, what you need to understand is that when Moses, who had this revealed to him in history by the real being in front of him who reveals himself in our world to Moses... When Moses wrote it down, he was writing something that was spectacularly different than all the other pagan religions of Moses' day. All the other pagan worldviews of Moses' day had in their origins story, their worldview, their story of reality, that their version was that first matter existed and then the gods shaped it. So they didn't have the gods as the one and only preexistent. They also had matter as preexistent and eternal, which is rather interesting to me. Let me put it in two sentences on the screen. Pagan religions believed matter was eternal and the gods shaped it. Darwin believed matter was eternal and evolution shaped it. Just let that sink in. Which is really interesting because just a few decades after Darwin, science shifted its viewpoint about the universe. In Darwin's day, the universe was eternal. Matter itself was eternal. That was the worldview. But science began to point to the Hubble Hubble, the whom the telescope was named after, began to see galaxies moving farther and farther apart, suggesting that this is not a stationary, fixed universe. It had a starting point. It was expanding. There's all these other theories start to play in. And then pretty soon in the 30s, a theory is firmly entrenched and still is there. By the way, if it changes to another theory, I'm still sticking with my story. Um, Okay, here on the screen, the Big Bang Theory is how astronomers explain the way the universe began. It is the idea that the universe began as just a single point. And some of them will say, smaller than a point on a page. The entire universe 
began smaller than a point on a page. Then expanded to grow as large as it is right now. Is still growing and losing energy over time. So most scientists agree it can't be forever because it's running out of gas. If it's already running out of gas, it had a starting point. That's one way of looking at it. It's also no way it had a starting point because everything is expanding from the center. It had a starting point. That's the current theory as I lamely articulated it in real short language. What you believe about reality, whatever you've puzzled together about your worldview, affects your conclusions, but it also affects how you live. And that's particularly important to our story. Point number two, what do you believe is really real? Because whatever you believe is really real is what you're going to live and live by your story. And how do you decide what is really real? Is there a God? Was the world created? Or did the cosmos suddenly appear on its own? So, on the screen, we've got a looping video because here we have a puzzle box. And I was hoping that uh, in this puzzle box, I would just find a puzzle. But I also found kind of a serendipity. It was the only puzzle that was big enough to really show you, and it's like a two-sided world map puzzle. I thought, this is perfect, worldview. We, we got a box with the world in it. We're piecing it together. In fact, it's two-sided. On one side is our viewpoint. On the other side is God's viewpoint. And if you have it adhered together and puzzle it together, it's like reality. That'll preach. Okay? Now, as we try to piece this thing together... We need to understand that in the, in the Christian worldview, although reality is puzzling, we have an advantage. Because we have more than just the puzzle pieces through natural revelation, which we all have access to as we observe our world, and science has access to through their instruments and through their experimentation and all their observations. We have more than natural revelation. We also have supernatural revelation, and with a supernatural revelation, we have somebody outside of the box of the universe that put the picture of the map for us as we put the puzzle together. It really helps to understand what our world is about and why it's about that, because we have the picture. It's really interesting also that atheists, agnostics, anybody who disagrees that there is a supernatural existence or a God, they have a blank box, and the box is the universe. And the only way you can figure out the rest of what's going on to understand how design fits together and how it locks into place and how it all makes sense and is cohesive is from within the box, just trying to piece together what you see. We have a picture that helps us not only project backward, before origins, which, by the way, is beyond the scope of science, because before, or when you start talking about what caused it, what caused the Big Bang, when you start talking about that, science can't answer that, because all we have to observe is the universe, 
And if you now think the universe started, and you ask a question, what started it, you're outside of the universe to answer it. Do you get what I'm saying? But science, many scientists, secular scientists, agnostic, atheistic in orientation, believe we have enough information from just within the box, consider just a blank box, we have enough information just from within the box to figure out how it all fits together. Interesting. So, may the best worldview win. I want to just simply present this line here. The story of reality is the worldview that makes the most sense of everything. That's reality. And so I present to you some thoughts in that direction to help us understand what we're dealing with, but it's so much more complex than this. Puzzle pieces, when they're properly placed, hold together. Puzzle pieces, when they're not properly placed, they fall apart. So many worldviews, when you start to investigate them, fall apart. They're not held together, and there's no cohesive picture. There are pieces of the picture missing, and they don't know what to do with it. How do you come up with from matter to mind by just shaking the box over time. See what I'm saying? And so we have some interesting thoughts to help us get to the place where we might consider the validity of the story of reality in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. Herbert Spencer, the originator of the phrase survival of the fittest from evolutionary theory, sometime before 1903 when he died, he discovered and declared that there were five categories of the knowable that created the matrix within which everything occurs. Here are the five categories within which all phenomena occur, and this is the order in which he stated it, time, force, action, space, and matter, in that order. Then the world hailed him as a great scientist who discovered and articulated these categories. But was this a new discovery? We just read it in the first line of the Bible. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, time, God. We quickly discover that the first page tells us that God is a force who enacted creation, but he's a personal force, a being with, who is a personal being that you start reading about interactions and speaking and saying, and he set it into existence. So time, force, created, he, he's the action, he make, made that action take place, the heavens and the earth, space and matter, time, force, action, space and matter, Genesis 1, 1. Question, if the box is a closed system and if the Big Bang Theory is true, we really do have quite an unsolvable puzzle, don't we? We have a starting point, but no ability to explain how it started. Because aren't those questions outside of the box? Point number three. Is reality a closed box or an open box? I think that's a valid question. When I say closed box, 
That's the person who believes that reality is nothing more than the cosmos, nothing more than matter. It's a materialistic view of all of reality. There is no such thing as the immaterial. There's no such thing as soul, spirit. There's no such thing as God, angels, demons. There's no such thing as those things. We're all just matter. And it's all matter that evolved over time and became who we are now. That's kind of the viewpoint. But here's a question. How can you have a starting point for the entire system within a closed box without a causal agent? And so logic is not satisfied with the explanation within a closed box. Science is not equipped because true science is empiricism. Logic is a piece, and logic is pointing outside of the box what started the universe, what causal agent is involved, and so we have some interesting directions we need to go. So in a sense, if the Big Bang Theory is correct, they've actually opened the lid to the box, logically speaking, and I'm gonna show you that in illustration form. Um, so I videoed this table. I want you to imagine uh, this taking place before your eyes, but it'd be hard to set up. So here we go, the domino video. Ready? Now. Notice, these just spontaneously fall. A series and systems that fall into place, one system that gives rise to another system that gives rise to another system, eventually it arrives at where we live, where now life itself has come from all the systems that are in place that can be uh, a world that is so very specific about how of all the various planets, it's so very specific that it actually had all these systems in place to sustain life, and we're, we're at that point in its history. But you can't imagine, can you? I didn't show you. I mean, it's, it's tough to video this, by the way, and start it falling at the same time. But I, I managed, and I managed to not show you my finger, Okay. But was there anybody in the room from the video that imagined that the first domino spontaneously fell? No, because we know that's not how inanimate objects work. There has to be a causal agent to cause a stationary thing to the force and the action to move. And especially if we're talking about systems of pieces, what caused the first system or piece to fall into the next system to fall into the next system to arrive where we're at. And it really doesn't matter how long the line is. If this is the whole earth and we're standing and we finally arrive at the point where it's caught up to us and we look off over the horizon and we see the fallen dominoes all the way off to where it disappears and we can't see what happened before, all of us kind of know from our logic that there is a first domino. Nobody imagines it's an eternal chain of dominoes. And it's supported by science now. There's not an eternal chain of dominoes. But then when we get to the place that there's not an eternal chain of dominoes, we also can't imagine the first domino, which is just matter. In other words, it doesn't have mind. doesn't have power of its own. It's rock. It's not alive. It's inanimate. It's not personal. Rock from... The universe is start over time from just bits and particles 
exploding out and combining with bits and particles, becoming larger and larger, and it starts to get to the place where this whole system then creates a next system. What causes it to go to the next system? What, what made it happen? We have to ask that question. Our minds won't allow us not to. And as we imagine it going past us into the future, because our minds can do that, by the way, which all by itself is fascinating because my dog can't do that. My dog's smart. Right? We can imagine it going past us beyond the horizon and try to figure out what's going to happen after that. If all you have is a materialistic universe, it just eventually dies and diminishes and goes from what it is as we see now into darkness and chaos. So just that illustration helps us think through some things. How does Darwin fit into all of this? I just want to read you a piece. Darwinian evolution as a theory presupposes life and all the systems necessary for life to exist before evolution can even begin to work. And the reason why it's so uh, people bought on to it in Darwin's day and it began to grow and grow and expand as a field of uh, worldview was that everybody believed the universe was eternal. Okay? You can't use Darwinian evolution as a model to create those presupposing systems because evolution is not a self-existing causal agent that can produce itself. It's merely a description of what might have happened after all the detailed systems for life were already in place. And it makes sense that life could evolve into now, my view, all the variety of dogs from one dog, according to its kind in Genesis. Okay? Microevolution, not a self-existent theory that can take from nothing particles, larger particles, planets, solar systems, whole systems, to sustain everything in its systems to the point where we now can sustain life and from non-life, boom, life. This is a second big bang that's not explained. We've never had life from non-life. No science can produce it. And if it ever did, God said, you can't, no, 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 that doesn't work. You get your own dirt. <laughs> right? And at this point in our story, with just one line into the story, that's my story, and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> we do need to stop there, but it whets our appetite for more, doesn't it? And I want us to hang on to the ideas that it really, really makes a difference how we live. On the back side of the outline, the paper version, is the talk it over on the back side or the bottom of the outline in our version events, uh, which this outline is on and what, we've, what we're presenting before you, is a pretty great study process that it's great for groups, but also if you're not in a group that's doing this, I would suggest you do it on your own. Or get together with somebody and do it. Do it this week in bits and pieces because there's quite a little bit here. The more you do this, the more valuable this will be 
It is so worshipful, particularly the last question, as I give you some sections about the grandeur and creativity of God to ponder and worship and enter into these thoughts. I hope you will do so. Today we have a prayer team that will be gathering to the left of the stage to pray for you as I've just kind of pulled a carpet from underneath your worldview perhaps and just pray that you might have an openness of mind to go further, or maybe you're praying for a particular person that you know that person's worldview is definitely not your worldview, and you might be praying for a conversation that you might have, or might point them to something like this to get them thinking again, whatever the kinds of prayers are. You might have a prayer request that's nothing to do with anything you just heard. You're just hurting. We got a prayer team for you. Right now, let's pray together, shall we? Lord God, I worship you. I love you. I'm grateful for history. I'm grateful for your explanation in history. I'm grateful that you uh, came into our box to reveal to us from outside of empiricism, outside of the natural order, outside of our blindness, showing us there's far more. And uh, I'm very grateful for the way you personally interact with me, that that reality becomes more and more of a reality that I enjoy a life that you give. I pray that we would enter into that reality and know you more and serve you well and worship you as the God who always was, who is, and who always will be, who not only began the story, but saved us. Their stories, Lord, are harder for me to believe than Jesus rising from the dead. There's at least so much evidence there. I thank you for giving us the story of reality. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.